Hello, everyone. My name is Pastor Maya Rodriguez. I want to welcome you to my weekly podcast. It is a true privilege to be able to share the good news of God's Word with you. Enjoy. Why don't we give a round of applause to all those that are connecting online? Yes, we also have a church family online, and we love you. We're so glad that you are connecting, and I'm sure that my husband's spying on me because he always does, okay? He always does, so I love you, babe. I know you're watching me. Okay, um, so super excited. It's the month of February, so February means, right, um, love, chocolate, flowers, right, and Super Bowl, Okay, I guess we don't have very many football fans in here. Let's see. And football. Okay, where are all my football fans? Football. Okay, so this is the first time we're doing this. But I know it's God sent because this new series is actually titled The Game Plan. And it's all based on relationships. But we're going to be strategic. We're going to look at football. You know, we're inspired by football, love, Chips and guacamole. Can there be anything better than that? Like seriously, right? Chicken wings. I mean, I think February we're going to have so much fun. We have our couples retreat at the end of the month. You're not married. Get married. You can still make it. No. (laughs) So on this new relationship series um, titled The Game Plan, I am not a football um, expert, as my daughter said herself. We are not football experts. But I did do cheer for many years. And so... You know, I know, first and ten, things like that. Um, But I Googled. Anything you don't know, just Google it. Okay, so I Googled it. And I was like, okay, I want to know a little bit more about football. I want to study about football because we got to get the guys into this relationship thing, right? We, we can't just be all mushy and flowers and like love and, you know, all the, but we got to get the guys interested. So I was like, let's work together and let's get our relationships, all relationships, not just dating relationships, not just, you know, um, marriage relationships, but even relationships amongst family and all of that. So we're going to be All of this applies to every single one of our relationships. So there is a playbook in football, you guys. There is a playbook. We have a playbook, the Bible, in life, right? Okay, we're going to go there. So there's a playbook in football, and I Googled it. I was like, what is a playbook? Like, what do you do? I kind of had an idea, but this is what Google says. It's a collection of football teams' plays and strategies, all compiled and organized into the book or a binder. And a, a playbook can be separated in different categories and they do like offensive plays and defensive plays and special teams plays and they're separated also by discipline all the football guys are we good are we good am I doing good okay okay so like if you are on the offense offensive team even though you should kind of know a little bit about all the plays it says but when you're on a certain team you want to really know that information like you don't want to be doubting because you got to get the play right Okay, and one of the players' main responsibilities on the team is to memorize those plays and strategies. Yeah, that's on the player to play that, you know, to memorize that play. But now there's this strategy called play calling. So not just playing the play is important, but actually the person that calls the play. See, I didn't know this. I was like, man, that guy. And I didn't understand why people would scream at the coach during a game. 
And now when I studied, when I Googled it, I was like, that's why you guys yell at the coach. Because he's the one or that person's calling the play. So you're mad. You're mad because you're like, man, the team can do better. But the, the, the coach, the guy or the guy calling the play called the wrong play for that, for that, you know, whatever they were, whatever they were, um, the opponent was doing. So you have to have that right strategy. So in American football, there's a specific language and methods used to call plays. There's passing plays, running plays, defensive plays, and kicking plays. There's different types of plays. And, like, you don't want to call a kicking play when you're too far away because they're never going to make it. So it's not just being able to kick. It's actually calling the play for what they're facing, We have to not just know the Bible, but we got to be able to implement in a timely manner in all of our relationships. So it does no good when you love, you know, those that love you. No, you got to live out the part that says, love those that hate you. Bless those that curse you. Like we got to know what our, what we're confronting and we got to know what our play is going to be. So each of these teams have hundreds of diagram plays and strategies in their playbook. And they're like, okay, if this happens, this is predetermined. This is what should happen. But there's things that that sometimes, like, people get so angry at the coaches, right? Because it's like, why did you call that play when you shouldn't have? Have you ever had information? You have the playbook. You have your Bible. You know what you should do. But yet you're not living a life that reflects that. You're calling the wrong plays. You said it again. You went there. You got prehistorical on people. What? What do you mean prehistorical? Yeah, you went back. It's like you're getting in an argument and then you start, you're like, you got hysterical. No, you got prehistorical. You went back in time and you're like, remember when? Like you knew you shouldn't have gone there, but yet you decided to play and you did an unnecessary roughness, right? And you're like, man, I knew it. I knew it. I should have bit my tongue. I should have, you know, but yet we go and we, we call plays out of anger. We call plays out of frustration. And we're not playing in the playbook that we should be, the Bible, the word of God. So during the game and specifically on halftime, they said halftime is like what I Googled. They're like halftime's it. Like halftime's where you huddle again and you can like reassess. Just think that this is your halftime. Let's think that right now, this series is our halftime. We're going to reassess. We're taking that breather to reassess how we're reacting in our lives, how we're, how we're reacting in our relationships, how we are as me as a wife, me as a friend, me as a mother, right? Because we're not going to look at other people. We're going to look at ourselves and how we are playing the play. So how well someone adjusts will determine if they win or lose. You have to be able to adjust, right? Let me tell you that God is a perfect coach, right? The Bible is perfect word. And there is beautiful, beautiful counsel of the word of God and wisdom because God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent, meaning that he is all-knowing. He is all-powerful and he is everywhere. There is no one like God, but yet we're like, "Mm, what should I do? You're not the coach. Stop calling the plays. Because the only one that's not going to mess up on calling a play is God. Yet we want to step in and we want to take on a role. No, you're a player. See? You're not, you're not the owner of the team. You're not the one calling the plays. You got to live out. We got to live out the word of God in our relationships. We got to say, hey, okay, coach. Here, tell me what play. What's up next? Are we getting anything, you guys? 
Trust me. If he's written the playbook, we need to allow him to call the plays. He's written the playbook. He can get us the win. He can get you the win. Yeah, I know you're single, ready to mingle. Everyone goes to bars. It's not going to work. Not going to work. You're trying to live out a life playing culture's playbook. When God says, no, get up, go to church. Oh, there's nobody at church. Don't worry. Don't worry. I got you. See, I'm working on your guy or I'm working on your girl. See, I'm in control of that. But when you're frustrated trying to play out your own play, oh, no, you know, I'm mad at my husband. I'm not going to talk to him for three days. Wait, what? Doesn't the word of God say not to let the sun come down on your anger? Oh, no, but I'm going to play it my way. Okay, we'll see how that works. You're going to get beat. You're going to lose. Nobody's going to be waving your flag, right? But we can get the win. We can get the win. Come on, you guys. Our family can get the win. Our relationships can get the win. Can I get an amen? So this first play we're going to talk about this Sunday is a passing play. This is a first play, a passing play. And the passing play is called, real love is, this play is unconditional. Not conditional. This is unconditional. A pass-oriented football team is a football team that has a really good quarterback that's able to get that ball down without having to actually run it. They throw it. They're able to catch it. They have a good quarterback that can throw the ball, and he trusts his receiver. He trusts it because the quarterback, although he's able to run, chooses to pass more often than run. Because he understands the role of each person in the relationship. Come on, you guys. we got to learn to also live out our relationship that way. And I'm not just talking about husband and wife, which could be the same way. You know, the quarterback, the husband, the wife, the receiver. I'm talking about even with children and their parents. What the parents say, they're passing it. And the children have to be able to receive it instead of just trying to look out to the bleachers, look out to... No, you're distracted. You're thinking the world and Instagram and TikTok and all that's going to give you, you know, good advice. No, you got to look to your parents. you got to look to the word of God. you got to look to good relationships that God has put as examples in your life to see how the relationship should play out. Can I get an Amen. So it's important that we allow the one who designed relationships to define relationship, and he needs to call the play. Like I said, real love has to be unconditional. That's our past. It has to be unconditional. That's the only way we're going to get the ball the quickest. A passing play is important because it gets the ball the quickest down the field. See, I could run it, and I could hit, and I could tackle, and we love it. We're like, yeah, we love to see the tackles, right? And yeah, but it's rough. And and people get hurt. But when you pass, it's like, and then when you have a good receiver, you know what? Sometimes in this passing play, the receiver drops the ball. It happens. The receiver drops the ball. I was actually Googled and I was like, what happens when the receiver drops the ball? Like, what should you do? Right? Everyone who's watching a football game is like, no! Mostly when he's in the touchdown zone, the end zone, and and he doesn't catch the ball or he like touches it and then it drops. And everybody's like, ah. right, you guys? Did you, did, is that what you guys do at home? Like, ah. 
something like that. I've seen you. I've seen you. Okay, I've seen you watch football. So then I was like, what happens after that? You know what they said that you should do? That the, a good coach will tell the quarterback, pass it to him again. That the next play should be the same play. I'm like, why? Because just because he dropped the ball one time doesn't mean he's going to drop it twice. And actually, it's, it's counterproductive. If you don't pass it to him, the receiver can become so traumatized that he failed that he would never be able to get past it. Yes? Yes or no? Am I right? Okay. How many times have we passed the ball to our husband, passed the ball to our wife, and they drop it? They just dropped it. Dude, we were about to win. Like, this was it. And they dropped it. Don't look at your spouse, but you're a ball dropper. <laughs> we're all ball droppers. Like, we, we incomplete pass. Have you ever had an incomplete pass in a relationship? Or is it always the other person's fault? If it's always the other person's fault, that's probably the issue. You're playing by yourself, right? You're blaming your team. You've got to get on the same team, first of all. But in this incomplete pass, one of the greatest parts of unconditional love is actually having faith in them to pass it to them again. Maybe you've dropped the ball. You know, maybe with all of this, you guys, I know it's kind of cheesy with the football thing. It's not cheesy. I like it. I love football. But I learned so much from these games. And I say, you know, it's like a parable for today, (laughs) for this time. But in reality, how many times... Have I not been willing to pass the ball again in that? Because I'm afraid that my husband's going to drop it. I'm afraid, or I, like, don't, don't pass it to me. Don't pass it to me. Because I'm not capable of receiving that. Right? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, yes, it's the, the verse that we use in every single wedding. Love is patient. Really? Love is patient. Let's just stop there. Love is patient. Is this true? Love is patient. It should be. But is it? If I was taking notes, I'd put love is patient. Do I really love? Because if I'm not patient, then it's actually not love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not, it doesn't dishonor others. It doesn't just seek for itself. It's not easily angered, are you? Are you always easily angered? Do you have a show? Oh, it's just my personality, really? Or is it that you don't really love? And many times it's not that you don't love others, it's that you don't love yourself. Is that we don't love ourselves. We haven't dated ourselves. We learned this on Wednesday, right? We haven't dated ourselves enough to know ourselves, to love ourselves, to actually work on ourselves. And so love is Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, right? Always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. What do you, how do you describe love? A love that never fails. How do you really understand what love is? So there's a group of professionals and they decided that they were going to do this study. And they're like, how can we actually define love? Said, let's ask people that haven't been tainted by the world. So they asked four to eight-year-olds. Yes. So they said, define love. So Carl, age five, said this. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and the boy puts on cologne 
and they go out and smell each other. Yeah. Chrissy, age six, said this. Love is when you give your part all your french fries, and you don't expect them to give you any of their french fries. That's my husband. Terry, age four. Yeah, Terry, age four. Love makes you smile when you're tired. Bobby, age five. Love, it's what's in the room on Christmas. If you stop opening gifts and you just listen. That is so cute, right, you guys? I mean, that's true. Love is what's in the room. If you just stop for a minute and you listen. So there was this contest, and they were trying to find the most lovable child, like, under five in the U.S. And they were, like, doing this contest, and people had to vote on it, right? And so the mom put in this thing that happened, and her son, five years old, and she told the story that the neighbor um, was like an old, you know, an elderly person, I'm sorry, an elderly person, and had lost their spouse of like 55 years of marriage. And this little guy goes over to the neighbor's house and then comes back, and the mom said, what happened? So what did you tell the neighbor? And he said, nothing I just helped him cry, and he won. I just helped him cry. Sometimes that's all we need, right? And it's not to be in depression or like, no, it's really just to be there for someone. That's really what love is, is to be there. And this is, love is a big, 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 big deal. Because I'm not just talking about googly eye, mushy, you know, chocolate. What I love, I love romance. I love all of that. That, But I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about a love that never fails. A love that would say, I just sat there and helped him cry. I didn't have the answer. I didn't have advice. You know, but I loved him enough to just sit there and cry with them. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, let love be your greatest aim. That's what we should shoot for you guys. Let love be our greatest aim. Every day change transformed from the inside out that where we would be oozing out this love. And again, it's not like this thing of February and the Cupid. No, it's really this forgiveness. It's this faith in our family, faith in the other people in our lives. It's this trust. It's this, you know, giving them not what they deserve. It's not giving them what they deserve. It's giving them what they need in that moment. What that person needs without bias of your own, you know, what you're critical of. And you're like, oh my gosh, they don't deserve this. They've just been ugly. They, they, whatever. No, they need this in this time. I'm able to give love. Maybe they're not able to love you back because they are so traumatized and they're working out issues. But thank God you are able to love them. Thank God you are able to see. Thank God you are able to be that, 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 um, son or that daughter. Maybe your parents aren't the most lovable parents. Maybe your parents don't hug you. Maybe your grandparents never gave you advice. I don't know, but maybe you can reach out and you could be that love for them. We could show the love of God to our family. Can I get an amen? So we need to strive. We need to work. We need to sacrifice the me for the we. That's a team. The team sacrifices the me for the we. And forgiveness is key in Matthew 5, 23 to 24. It says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, there you remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there. 
uh, tithing, tithing, tithing doesn't say to take your gift with you. Okay, it says leave your gift there in front of the altar. You're like, okay, I guess I won't give. No, no, give it, give it, and then go. And this says first go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. We can't point fingers at those that don't fear God. We can't say like, wow, the world is so ugly. It is. Well, and we're like, oh my gosh, they're, you know, they're, they want to vote for abortion and they want to do this and they want to do that. Well, oh, no, we can't point fingers at them. They don't have the truth. We got to look within the church. What's going on within the church that we are not impacting, that we are not being love, lovable enough, you know, or of, with that power of love to transform. We got to be the love of God. We can expect those that are far from God that don't believe in Jesus to, to extend this love. We must be the ones that extend love. We must be the ones that forgive. We must be the ones that think good. Father, I ask that you forgive my sins, but when we ask to forgive sins, as we forgive those that have sinned against us. We can't forget that part. We can't forget that as we're, we're asking for forgiveness and we will receive it, but we will receive it in the degree that we forgive those that have sinned against us, that have done us wrong. It's so sad to see Christians attack Christians, to see husband against wife. I think Christians attacking Christians, pastors attacking other churches and movements, and I'm like, what the heck? I, my heart hurts. When I see any attack, anything negative about any pastor or any person, you know, but then like husband against wife, that's how your kids feel watching you guys fight. I ask myself, I have this time, like, what, 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 what are my girls feeling when they see myself and my husband fight? They're seeing like a Christian attacking a Christian. It's ugly. It's brutal. It shouldn't happen. It should not be happening. Where wives or husbands are attacking wives and wives are attacking husbands. How about children against parents? And parents against children. Like if we were on separate teams, we're not on separate teams. We are on the same team. Come on, you guys. We're running that ball. We're going to pass that ball. Sorry, this week we're going to pass that ball to our team members. How about mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law? That's so normal. It's just given. Like why? Moms with boys, please behave yourselves. Behave yourselves. Like, ask for the love of God. Maybe your daughter-in-law doesn't make, you know, the food like you do. Maybe she doesn't clean the house like you clean the house. Maybe she doesn't fold the clothes. But she's doing something right because your son's with her. Girls, women, please, come on. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give a, a round of applause for one person. You're, you're definitely going to heaven. You're definitely going to heaven. Thank you. Thank you for that. Going to heaven. I said it. I believe it. No. First John 2, 9 to 10 says, Anyone who claims to be the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. You say you have light, but yet you hate that person. You're still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. Remember that unconditional love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It says it always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. It always passes the ball, even when the receiver fumbles it. Maybe your receiver's fumbling the ball. Maybe your kids, and you're just like, I'm I'm tired. I don't want to pass it. No, we're going to pass it. We're going to pass the ball. We're going to pass the torch. We're going to love our family. Matthew 22, 3 to 35 says, 
that one of them was an expert of the law. And they're like, come on, tell us. Give us just one. There's so many. They're like over 400 and something. Give us one of the commandments. Like, this is too much. He's like, no, I'm not actually going to give you one. I'm going to give you two. It's actually like the beginning and the end. And in between is everything else. If you can do these two, you're going to get it all right. It's like, love the Lord your God with everything that you have, right? But then love your neighbor as yourself. Like, this is it, you guys. This is it. Love. Love conquers all. God is love. And we usually wait for the month of February to talk about love. But in reality, love is our banner. Like, love Jesus is that love. Like, he is the expression of God's love for us. And so we think love as a a Valentine's card or as a Cupid or as a heart. But it's so much more than that. Because love is actually so sacrificial. Sometimes love, yes, it hurts because you got to die to yourself to be able to forgive because pride says no, like not again. Like why do I have to forgive again? Have you ever been in that situation? Or it's only me. Now you guys are going to go tattle with my husband, right? Oh, you got to be a better husband to your wife. (laughs) It's hard for her to forgive you. No, but I'm sure it's hard for him sometimes too like he said this he did and there I go fumbled the ball again you know that if it wasn't for him believing in me constantly believing me even after I fumbled the ball I don't think I would be up here I don't think if we're truthful with one another it's when someone that loves you that truly generally loves you believes in you even more than you believe in yourself and that's usually parents We see that in parents a lot, in moms. Moms are great lovers like that usually. I don't say always because some moms just need Jesus more than others, right? No. But we need to have this type of love, this agape love. There's so many words for love, but this agape love, this unconditional love. It's that love that I always say agape was on full display when Jesus was on that cross. And decided to be there even when we were sinners. Like we weren't able to even ask for forgiveness or we weren't even willing to ask for forgiveness. We weren't even wanting his forgiveness or looking for his forgiveness. But yet he didn't like pause and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before I give my life, let me just make sure, are you going to receive me? No, he didn't. He said, even if you don't, even if you don't recognize me, if you don't love me back, I will still give myself. My love is so unconditional that I will still give myself for you. Agape is love, is unconditional. Love is, this type of love is cleaning up vomit at 3 a.m., right? And still going to work in the morning. And then you got some leftover and you're like, oh, whatever. Love is getting up every single night to work a graveyard shift for your family to be able to pick them up in the morning and make sure you get breakfast in them, in their bellies. Love is not eating so your kids can eat when there's not enough money for that second cheeseburger. Love is choosing to believe the best about that person. And love is giving a person what they need and not what they deserve. So this new commandment I give you, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Let's work on this this month. And today was just this general, you know, unconditional love because we need it as an umbrella. 
Next week, we're going to be jumping into marriage. I want you to come back into a conflict resolution. We're going to be talking about ooh, other things too. So come back for this series. But if I'm having trouble with people, i got to recognize this, that most times when I'm having trouble with people, and I think it's an, their issue or it's, you know, like they're the problem, usually it's not a people issue. It's a God issue. See, because I'm going to people, and I think this. So as soon as I, I was writing this, and I always say, like, who cares about this? You know, when I'm doing a message, who cares about this? Well, I think everybody cares about it because it's important to everybody. But then how can I apply this to my life? Okay, so when I'm writing this out, I said, this sounds good, but can I actually love that person? And then a person came into mind. So think of that person, that person, okay? You're like, can I actually love that person with agape, with that unconditional love? Truthfully, in me, the answer is no. If you're truthful with me. If you want to be like a hypocrite, then say yes, but I don't know about you. But there's people that have done me really wrong. And I said, truthfully in me, the answer is no. I can't love them. But then God says, I never asked you to love for you in your own strength. See, agape love is going to God in his love and covering them as Jesus covers us. In the same way Jesus covers us and says, I got this. I paid the bill. He, you know, he's with me. Then we take God's love and we implement in, into those situations. Maybe there's somebody you haven't been able to forgive or you haven't been able to let go. I just say this, whatever, we're going to reap what we sow. If we can't get these issues right in our heart, we're going to start to see them play out in our children. So tomorrow, we're going to see the same cycle. And it's a vicious cycle. So what you don't deal with, your children will deal with. Come on, you guys, I'm going there. What you don't deal with, your children will deal with. So we got to go to God and we got to say, okay, I need you to help me with this situation because I can't in myself forgive because in my strength, I can't understand. So I need you to help me to let go. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your family, friends, frenemies. Lord knows we all need more Jesus. Until next week.